Welcome to another edition of Real Early. My name is Larry Sternshine, and this is the podcast that asks the question, what was movie culture like down under? My guest this week is podcaster Lindsay Wilkins of the Schlock and Awe podcast. Schlock and Awe is a double feature podcast that celebrates all movies from the sublime to the dirty and everything in between. I've had the pleasure of being a two-time guest on her podcast, and I'm really excited to invite her onto mine. What I like most about Lindsay beyond being well-versed in cinema, is her enthusiasm she has with every one of her guests. If you are unfamiliar with her show, I think this episode will make you want to seek her podcast out. The other reason why I wanted to get Lindsay on was because she's from Down Under. She grew up in New Zealand and eventually moved to Australia, where she resides now. I was really interested to find out just how different growing up in New Zealand was compared to the United States, and there were a lot of differences. We also discussed her family and how they helped her grow her love of film. I really hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I had. So without further wait, Schlock and Oz, Lindsay Wilkins. Lindsay. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for being here today. Oh, thank you for asking me. This, um, I'm very, no, this sounded like such a great idea for a podcast. I was like, yes, please. When can I be on? <laughs> we, we were talking and we discovered that when we've done our recordings together, it is 8 a.m. where you are. Yes, yes, it is. I tend to podcast early in the morning um, just because I podcast with a lot of people who are, do not live in the same country I do. So, yeah, I tend to get up um, earlyish, have a coffee, um, smack my face around a little bit and uh, get going. Um, but it's turned into such a routine that I've realized that I can either go back to bed or I can get on with my day. So it actually works out quite well. <laughs> so for those who don't know, you're in Australia. Yes. Which is the country down under, as they yeah, say. Yeah, we're down under. <laughs> I have, my, my wife makes fun of me because I try to do accents and they're awful. So I just do it just to be really annoying, but I'll, I'll try not to do any today. Oh, I am terrible at accents. Every single try, every single time I've tried, it just sounds like my accent, but with a, more of a twang. <laughs> what what is what is the the one thing you get the most from people that you talk to that have never visited Australia? What's like the one thing they laser focus on the most? Generally, the um, animals. Oh, how uh, that I'm always in the future. Because I am in the literally in the future, um, so that's one thing. Because um, it is Monday morning. No, wait, Sunday morning. Sorry, not that. Oh, we're not that future. far in the future. Yeah. <laughs> not that far in the future. Um, but it is uh, Sunday morning, um, and also the animals, which do freak a lot of people out. Which I don't blame people because I didn't actually grow up in Australia, and even in. New Zealand, that's would make fun of a lot of Australians that everything does and want to kill you. Um, and yeah, a lot, even a kangaroo will punch you in the face. They're very famous for that. Um, a wombat, which is very cute, looks cute and cuddly, will go you. They are very quick moving. Um, and we have all kinds of snakes, spiders, um, really horny bug, not hor horny and horny bugs. Um, that uh, the bugs are just having sex all over the house it's just they are it's really noisy um but no we have a lot of uh, australia has a lot of bizarre and weird animals though um i did show not quite australia but in new zealand i did show um anthony king from cult movies podcast and um uh, um my, uh, mike scott from um action for everyone a photo of a um kia and a kakapo 
which are native birds to New Zealand, and they had nightmares. They were like, oh, these birds are going to take over the world. I went, yes, that is why we keep them in New Zealand so they don't have, uh, uh, they don't actually have, um, going to try and take over the world because they're massive. They're literally old dinosaurs is what they are, um, like parrots who are dinosaurs. So, um, yeah, the the animals are definitely pet things uh, people really focus on. Actually, we actually now have the blueprint for how you stop that animal, that bird who's going to try to take over. What yes. you do is you stand your ground and you put your hand up in the air, like this exactly. Tra- Jurassic World. Works for every single dinosaur. I, I yeah, every <laughs> single me, one. Drove me nuts. I was like, this, okay, blue, I get. Blue, I completely understand when both of them, him and the kid, just went ham. But then when he's doing it to like all these other dinosaurs, I'm like, you seriously look like those crab things from the latest Harry Potter movie that I can't remember the name of because I was so bored in it. But they do this kind of crab move. And I'm like, you look like that. You look like a what is happening? Stop putting your hands up in front of dinosaurs who don't know what that means. <laughs> just it's, like yeah. they'll just bite your arm off. <laughs> I'm waiting for somebody to be like, I lost my arm in a bear attack. I tried to calm it down with my hand and it bit it off. Bit it off. Yeah, it's just like, thank you. Thank you for letting me have your the lunch step. Be very still for me. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so you just, you said something that you didn't actually grow up in Australia at first? No, I, uh, I technically have a New Zealand passport. Um, I am, sorry, I'm a New Zealander, but I live, have lived in Melbourne, Australia since 2006, which was a very long time ago now that I think about it. Um, God, I was young when I decided to move to another country. Um, but yeah, so I've been living in Melbourne since 2006. Um, so now I, my E's have certainly got a bit more nasal instead of very round, like a Kiwi, but, um, yeah, it's, so yeah, I've been living almost most of my life, (laughs) half my life in Australia at this point. Wow. So would you say there's, see, in my mind, there's no difference between New Zealand and Australia because Mm. I am just like a dumb American, but like you've lived in Australia and New Zealand for like, yes like half your life in one place, half your life in the Mm. other, how different are they? There are differences. Um, I think it's like between, uh, it's very actually much like between an American and a Canadian. Uh, New Zealand, New Zealand being Canada, um, uh, Australia being America. Um, There are differences in the accents, um, but it's sort of more Australians will, a lot more will tell you how they will tell you how they feel that, any subject, whether you want to know about it or not. Um, they're much more, um, like I thought everyone was fighting. They're not, they're just talking, but they're very, um, not opinionated. They just let you know what's on their mind where there's New Zealand is much more passive aggressive. Um, okay. And <laughs> they will kind of, the famous New Zealand phrases, oh, I should have said something. Australia would have just said something. Um, that was kind of the biggest thing that I noticed. Um and so, yeah, I'd say Australians are louder. New Zealand is a little bit more quieter, a little bit more reserved. Um, and, yeah, that is um, much – New Zealand is a little bit more polite. Like, I do get, oh, New Zealanders are lovely people. They're so friendly. I'm like, I think they're just more polite, actually. <laughs> they, are, they are judging you. New Zealand's a very judgy country. Um, they will judge you. Um, so will Australia, but they will just tell you that, that uh, they're judging you, I think, is more to the point. You'll know. <laughs> 
so the my my show focuses on movies, right? And mm. my my first question would then be when I think of Canada and the United States, for example, that you used, mm. there there's definitely a difference between television in America, television in Canada. Yes. So like we got like in America, we got like NBC, CBS, whatever. Canada has mm. whatever they have. But yeah. like if just CBC, I think. And they just air like different stuff. Yes. Does New Zealand and Australia air different things? Yes. Um, New Zealand got a lot of Australian things. Um, so I was kind of lucky that in growing up in New Zealand, I got a lot of um, different countries. Well, when I say different countries, I mean Australia, UK and America. But Australia... Um, has a lot more uh, how am I going to use it's they do um like in Australia we also have the ABC but that is the Australian Broadcasting Company so it's very similar to the BBC there is Channel 9 Channel 7 and Channel 10 and they're kind of like the um the NBC the CBS kind of thing um but they do it it's a lot more Australian stuff um I noticed like there's a lot more Australian um touch points and TV than I think New Zealand had. Um, but but even some of those I grew up with as well as a kid, like uh, anyone in the UK knows that Australian soap operas are a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one of the longest running soap operas called Neighbours where likes of Guy Pearce, Kylie Minogue, um, uh, can't, there's a whole, I can't remember them all at the moment, but yeah, Guy Pearce is the, is the big one. This is where they got their start was on this show called Neighbours. And um, there's also was, one called, yeah. So that's where he got his start from. Nellie and Brulia, she was Neighbours, wasn't she? She was, yes, she was Neighbours. Um, it's insane when you look at the cast of that and uh, uh, oh, it's not Summer, Summer Bay's where it is, but I can't remember the name at the moment. People screaming at, people in the UK are screaming at me because I think those were actually bigger in the UK at some point. Um, but that is where a lot of, yeah, really big international. Um, I think even Chris, Chris Hemsworth was on one of those at one point. It's, oh, wow. it's insane. Um, I want to say he was. I could be very, very wrong. Um, but, yeah, it's, yeah, and there's a sort of, um, uh, we have our own version of the gong show. Um, these kind of, yeah, so it was, Australian definitely has much more of a homegrown kind of TV thing. And I think a lot of it was because of, um because of the abc um not abc that thing but the we put the in front of it it's a it's a much treasured um channel in australia um any government who said who starts messing with it people get very angry <laughs> oh I, yeah i would imagine i, I it, it, is, it, it is technically state run so it's um oh. not always yeah we're not state run it's actually still a business and it's still but it does get a lot of government funding it's very much like the bbc in the uk it's kind of that very similar model. Yeah, we don't necessarily have anything like that in the United States. Mm. We got PBS, but it's not, it's like barely funded by the United yeah. States. Mm. And like, I don't know, the way things are going, like anybody could hijack any channel, it feels like, and <laughs> nobody really cares. But yeah. Uh, so when you were growing up, we're, what, what is your earliest movie memory? Let's just start there. 
it's either two things. I can't quite, I think it was around the same age, but it was either going to see a reissue of Snow White, the 1933 movie in the cinema with my sister. Um, being so terrified at the queen turning into the hag, I crawled into her lap. <laughs> or watching Star, the original Star Wars at home and having my sister, this is, like, I was a, such a scaredy cat when I was three, obviously. I didn't want to watch it. I think I ran out of the room because I remember the ads for Darth Vader freaking me out, like his sure. voice, just sure. like the breathing. I was just like not having it. And my sister telling me that it's okay. You only hear him. You don't see him. So, okay, fine. I'm going to go sit down. Of course, the first freaking scene in Star Wars is Darth Vader walking out and going, hey, how's it going? <laughs> um, but yeah, those are my first two. I think I can't remember which one comes first or later, but those are two very early memories. Both me being terrified. <laughs> I, you know, I never would have thought Snow White would be terrifying, but when you think about it, when you're, when you're a kid, there's something about people that are evil turning into ugly things. That's kind mm. of terrifying. No, those early well, Disney movies are terrifying. I mean, when she's running through the forest and everything looks like a monster. And then, and um, when you go and Pinocchio is just on a whole different level. I mean, when he's changing into the, to the donkey and that whale, I mean, yeah, those <laughs> things are absolutely horrifying. <laughs> and would, would you say that uh, you were close with your sister? Was, was that sort of how, like, was she also into movies? Not real. Uh, not hugely. I think she, my sister is quite a bit older than me. She, um, was 11 years older than me. So unfortunately she got stuck with babysitting Judy a lot. Oh. And I think movies were the easiest way to, <laughs> to um, take up my attention. I think probably was what, it, what more it was. Um, so Joanne, <laughs> um, but yeah, being a 11 year old and then realizing that you're the one who's going to have to have around the house because your mother's had another kid. I can't imagine that would have been easy. Um, but yeah, we were very close because she was around a lot. Um, and yeah, she did. Don't know if she technically seen that many movies, but I do remember sitting in the living room with her a lot, watching watching stuff. Probably stuff I should not have been watching, <laughs> which happened a lot in my house. That makes a lot of sense because when I was younger, uh, my sister, you know, we'd be like she she was older than me too by about six years, and hmm. she would show me, or we would watch together. Like I remember one time, Nightmare on Elm Street was coming on HBO. Mm. And my sister and I watched that together. So let's see, Diamond Rush is 84. Yes. Probably came on HBO in 85, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And I'm like like seven or eight years old. I probably should not be watching Diamond Elm Street at seven or eight years old, but here we are watching a Diamond Elm Street. And there was another moment I've talked about before where I was, my sister showed me Poltergeist. And she tricked oh, me wow. into watching something scary. And the, I, th- I think for some of us who had older siblings, uh, I, it's, I imagine it's much easier to have seen movies that you probably should not have seen. And I wonder how much that has affected us becoming movie fans, like seeing the movies that we might be, our parents would have been like, no, you can't see that. I think it did did help because um, I was never tricked into watching anything. It was just watch what everything else was watching. 
I mean, I always credit my dad for being a, for making me a huge movie fan, but he didn't actually sit me down and go, okay, now we're going to watch a movie by uh, uh, John Ford or Martin Scorsese. It was because he wanted to watch a movie um, by John Ford or Martin Scorsese. Awesome. Or, 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 um, actually, he was a huge, he's a huge Steven Spielberg fan. Um, so it was just, I'm going to watch this. You can be in the room or you don't have to be in the room but I'm watching this and same with my brother and sister. It was um, never, I'm going to try and get their reaction because they knew if I didn't like something, I would just leave the room. So it was, um, that was kind of how it kind of worked, but it's kind of, I mean, I know my brother somehow got a, don't know how he managed to get this because this was even really hard to get. must be some bootleg on bootleg, a copy of Meet the Feebles. (laughs) And I think I wandered into the room, saw kind of briefly what it was, went, sweet, Muppets! Because uh, I was obsessed with Henson as a kid. It still am, but yeah. So I sat down and watched it, and all of a sudden I'm going, what the hell is happening? Why is that Muppet in a snuff movie? I don't. And so I quickly left. I was just like, nope, absolutely, absolutely not. And I think my brother and his friends just laughed <laughs> at this um, a living role wanted to come sit down. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll watch this. And then two seconds later, I go, nope, sorry. This this is uh, the most disturbing thing I've seen. I don't understand. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. Um, but it's kind of amazing because I grew up growing up. I never had the um, cable experience until or having cable until I was much older, uh, a teenager, not because... Um, not because of the fact that my parents didn't want to pay for it. It was because we just didn't have it. Um, I, New Zealand TV was, even though we got a lot of um, American, British and Australian TV, we only had two channels until like 1989. I remember getting the third channel. It was channel one, channel two. <laughs> that's wow, so that's long. crazy. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's not a lot of channels. I don't know no. if you've noticed, but that is not a lot of channels. That is not a lot of channels. And <laughs> Channel 1 played a lot of British stuff. And Channel 2 played all the American stuff. Um, and Channel 1 had the news. Channel 2 didn't. And they were both government government funded. Like, mm-hmm. there wasn't, like, um, a pro- there wasn't, um, when I grew up in New Zealand, it was, like, 3 million people. It's, now it's 5. So it's a very small country. Yeah. Um, everything's a small town. <laughs> um, and I remember when channel three was coming along and I think it was mostly privatized that I got a sneaking suspicion. Like most, it is a little bit government funded was a little bit, I could be wrong, but I remember this was going to be the cool channel because it was going to have teenage mutant Ninja turtles. Um, Yeah, definitely cool. Yeah, definitely cool. And I even remember getting channel four, um, which at the time it was going to be like the MTV. It was going to play like a lot of just music videos and a lot of it was going to be for the like, Teenagers, which I was getting close to, so this was perfect for me. But yeah, I I love hearing experience of like, oh yeah, we're watching HBO and they played this one movie over and over again. I'm like, oh no, I had to go to the video store to get that experience. That was how I watched a movie over and over again. It's because we went to the video store and got it. It wasn't because it was just on TV. Um, certain movies did get played a lot, but not as much as say Beastmaster on HBO. If there was never that. <laughs> so... How old were you around when you started going to the video store? Very, you young. Oh, very young. I, I, yeah, I was remember being about five or six. Because okay. um, in New Zealand, it's very important to have your video store right next to your fish and chip place. Oh. 
Um, very important. <laughs> it's almost like a weird New Zealand tradition to have kind of like your corner stores, which is just like three sort of stores put together um, just on a road. And one would be a dairy, one would be a fish and chip, and the other would be a video store. Um, and yeah, I do remember going there. I remember having to walk past the horror section and the video for Pinhead freaking me out. Oh, like, well, yeah. I was just, yeah, I didn't see that movie until maybe four or five years ago. I was at a horror all nighter and they surprised us by going, oh yeah, we're playing the 4K thing of, of Hellraiser. I'm like, oh shit, I'm finally going to have to watch Hellraiser. <laughs> Crap. Oh wait, this movie is amazing. Okay. Forget I said anything. My imagination apparently was not <laughs> way worse than what this movie ever was. Well, but, if, if you're yeah. watching Hellraiser at that age, you're, it's probably freaking you out. Yeah, the, the video art was freaking me out. Just the, the pinhead with his nails. Just I just couldn't imagine why <laughs> anyone would want to do that. It was this, what was this creature on this video case? <laughs> do you remember the name of the store that you would go to a lot? No, I don't. I was trying to remember it. It's long gone. It was just a little mom and uh, mom and pop, mom and dad kind of yeah. operation. Um, I know that the all the doors linked into the fish and chip shop because the people who did the fish and who owned the fish and chip place had a kid my age. So we used to, every single time we were always waiting for our order. Um, it, by the way, everything in New Zealand is deep fried. We're very Scottish in that way. Um, okay. <laughs> um it's like do you want it crumbed or do you want it fried um it's you would go around we would sort of run around and would go through the back way into the video store which i think used to, i don't so i think i used to annoy um the clerks but um that was the mid 80s in new zealand so uh, it was you saw a kid your age and you were like okay we're friends for five minutes which i think is actually for any five-year-old <laughs> And it was VHS at the time, right? Like Very VHS. There was yes. no, there was no secret down under video that I don't know about. No, no, <laughs> I didn't even know. No, 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 no. Uh, surprised we didn't go with Beta actually, because that would be such a New Zealand thing. <laughs> what Beta's cheaper? Oh, we're going for Beta. Um, like I didn't even know what a laser di- what laser disc was until I heard Kevin Smith talk about. It. What the hell's a laser disc? It, yeah, um, things like that were very expensive in New Zealand, so we just kept it, we kept with VHS way longer than we should have. Did were were you a household that recorded stuff off the television? Yes, I was obsessed with it. Okay, because that is a theme. <laughs> my dad was as well. Yeah, that's a theme I'm getting a lot from every person I've talked to so far, including myself. Mm. When, like in the '80s, especially, you had your VHS, and you're like. I could fit three movies on one tape. And, I and can... you could time it. So you could like time, if you're having to go out somewhere and you know they're playing like Return of the Jedi, you could like, um, which is a movie that short played a lot. Um, New Zealand would love to play a sequel. So you'd put your video in, you'd time it and you'd always do it. I always did like 15 minutes before. So you'd get like the end of the last or whatever. And then Jedi would play. It was great. <laughs> so did you have just a lot of tapes around? We did, yeah. Uh, taping off the radio as well and taping off the television were just what you did. Um, so, yeah, I used to do that all the time. The TV shows that I didn't want to miss, I think that was my big one. Um, like I was obsessed with chairs for some weird reason. <laughs> Don't know why a kid wanted to watch people drink and tell jokes, but there you go. Um, but, yeah, so we used to do that a lot like um 
yeah, take if there's a movie I knew was going to be on TV, or if my dad wanted to watch something, and yeah, that was like was like the big thing, and the fact that you could just leave the house and it would keep recording was like such a big deal. And what were some of the types of movies that you really gravitated towards when you were growing up? Because like when I was growing up, I was really into action and horror movies. So I'm just kind of curious what what genre kind of captured your imagination growing up? Uh, it was more comedy, actually. I was a huge comedy nerd as a kid. Um, I even had like a cassette tape of like, oh, oh God, it's not, does that, this is not age well, but I think I did have a cassette tape of Woody Allen. <laughs> I listened to a lot in Bill Cosby. How do, you, how do you as a young person understand Woody Allen? I don't know. I just liked his voice. <laughs> Um, because I loved Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks would have been one of my favorite directors as a kid. Um, he's, he's Mel Brooks is a genius. And he's a genius. And God bless him. So God bless him. I don't want that man to ever die. I just want someone just to wrap him up in cotton wool so we can keep him forever. But um, so there was a very specific Yiddish way he would tell jokes. And I think that's what I liked about Woody Allen is that he had that same, um, I didn't understand what he said. Even with, um, Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby, you did because he was actually would talk down to you, but when he, which is his, was part of his genius as a comic and his horribleness as a human being, I think is probably the best way of saying that. But um, yeah, I did. I just like the way Bill Allen talked, which just sounds really horrible now. I'm like, oh no. Um, but it's, yeah, so I loved um, comedy sitcoms, um, comedy movies. I loved Tom Hanks when I was a kid. Um, yeah, as I said, Mel Brooks, uh, rom-coms, anything like that. Um, it, it, that is just kind of what um, kind of filled me. Also, anything Jim, Hen- Jim Henson, if there was uh, Muppets or if it was The Labyrinth, that crystal actually kind of freaked me out. Like I wasn't hugely into horror. The only horror that I remember ranting multiple times was Warlock. <laughs> and I was a little bit older maybe more in the 90s um but i like the fantasy element of it yeah, i somehow that- forgot that people horribly died but there was much there was a lot of magic and throwing up with a vein so i was i was fine with that yeah that's more like uh so like i grew up with jaws yes jaws is a very scary movie but also has that adventure element so yeah. that kind of made it go down a little bit easier except for the fact that i would rent that movie from the library a lot but I would only watch the whole thing every other time because there'd be like a, a night I'd watch it where I'm like, I can't do it. This is too scary. Like when he, when the shark jumps through the, the ship near the end, I'm like oh, that part scares mm. me so much. I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know if I could do that today. And then the next time I'd rent it, I'd watch the whole thing through. <laughs> so there, there's anyway. something about those, those PG, PG 13 movies when you're younger, that kind of helps you you know, get used to some of the more hardcore movies you might watch later. Yeah, no, uh, Jaws terrified me. I mean, the things I love now are things that used to scare the living snot out of me when I was a kid. Jaws was one. Um, The theme music used to send me, I was literally screaming from the room. I think my brother and sister actually recorded from the TV because it was, they were playing it. And so, of course, the ad Ads used to freak the living snot out of me. Um, used to play the now the gorgeous Williams themes uh, theme for for that. They record. I think they recorded it off the TV. So every time I was annoying them, <laughs> which I did because I was like four, um, they would start playing that music. 
Um, but because I was a kid who liked to spread everything out around me, like I wasn't just a kid. I had to have like, we had these like Smurf figurines that we used to keep in a bucket. Um, my sisters, my brother and sisters are angry that my mother, I think gave them away because there were these like for Smurf figurines, I had them all surrounded around me. I had to pick every single one up and put it in the bucket before I could leave the room. Like I couldn't leave the Smurfs to be eaten by, by the shark because that's what I thought, I thought the shark was actually coming. Um, no, I love Jaws, um, but I found Jaws terrifying. Same with It. I remember that TV miniseries <laughs> and me wanting to watch it, being fascinated by it, but not. So I was watching it from the doorway so I could bolt if something I didn't like happened, which was a lot because Tim Curry's terrifying as that clown, but um i remember being fascinated yet terrified so i could never just sit and watch it i had to like stand in the doorway so <laughs> i was ready to run like i, I could get a clear thing down the hallway <laughs> yeah it's uh i never really got into it when i was a kid i think it was it was just a tv movie and i just didn't really think much about it so i didn't really watch it uh but tv movies in general if you look at the history of television movies there are so much scary ones that oh my God. I don't know how yeah. they like some of those were scarier than any like R-rated like slasher movie I watched because it's it's insane. Most of them were either about kidnapped kids, yeah, or they were about some sort of murder. Or I remember particularly the one with Brian Dennehy playing Gacy. Uh, again, the clown thing, um, mm. which is probably why I love clowns and horror. Um, that just terrified me in the fact that he was murdering people and he had that wooden thing with the hand i was like oh my god yeah no tv movies were terrifying (laughs) yes i know and that was on prime time (laughs) so what point did you realize hey i like movies you know what i mean like and you wanted to like watch all of them like was this a as as long as you remember or was it when you got older when you really realized how much you loved movies? I think as a kid, I knew I liked movies because I always got excited when we would get do our weekly video kind of thing. You get you get like seven for like seven dollars or something. Mm. There were never new releases unless Dad was actually pretty good at getting some of the new releases because he liked movies as well. So he would watch movies, and so I like to sit down with him and and watch them. And this um, could be in. And he liked, my dad loves the Academy Awards. He always has done. And he likes watching Academy Award winning movies. Like that was his guide. He used that as his guide to watch um, movies. So I was always watching it with him. And we used to do this thing when I was a kid. Still don't know how I sat through um, Dances with Wolves, but we would always go and watch. <laughs> He'd always take me to go see the um, a movie I wanted to see, especially if it was a Spielberg. He was very keen, but he did take me to see a lot of Disney animated, which God bless him. Um, I think he fell asleep during Little Mermaid. <laughs> um, and we would always, but he would always take me to see the winner. I think it stopped when I was a teenager, we stopped doing it. Um, probably around the time of, oh, I think it was around the time of Schindler's List. Because I know he did take me to see Silence of the Lambs. And I think he realized that was a mistake. <laughs> like, because the rule was we couldn't leave halfway through. If he'd paid for the movie, we're staying. Um, sure. I couldn't change my mind halfway through. And he realized by the time Buffalo Bill showed up, he's like, oh no, I've made a huge mistake. Well, I mean, how um, would he know? How would he know? How would he know? I mean, it was all, I was all about Hannibal Lecter. I was excited 
by Hannibal Lecter. I had seen the whole I ate his kidney with with the father beans and a nice Chianti. Um, I had seen, I was all for that. Just when Buffalo Bill shows up and puts the lotion on the skin, I was like, what is this? Um, yeah. And I somehow sat through all of nearly four hours of <laughs> Dances with Bulls, which I, I was seven. I don't know how I did that, but I do remember going to see Driving Miss Daisy. So I think um, there was this thing of, oh, my kid likes movies. Oh, good. I don't have anyone to go to the movies with. I can take her. So I think I always knew I liked them. I just didn't know I was obsessed with them until I was about 18 when I started realizing, oh, wait, there's technique to this. People actually make these. Well, you, Scorsese and all those guys made movies. I just didn't realize that there was a cinematographer, there was an editor, there was a set designer, there was a scriptwriter kind of thing. I thought it was just all the director. Did, <laughs> you, somehow... watch, did you watch the Academy Awards with your father every year? Uh, yes. And I would also pretend to be, I hope my mother doesn't listen to this, but I think she kind of saw that mile away. I used to pretend to be sick so I could watch it live because it was always in the afternoon. It was a live, they used to show it live okay. and then they would show an edited version at night. Okay. So I would watch the edited version with my dad because of the time difference. I, it was occasionally, I think it was, uh, yeah, there was a few in the 90s. Uh, I think 94, when Forrest Gump won. That was one I definitely stayed home. Um, <laughs> and there was another one. It might have been 98. So I'm going to be a bit older. I don't think I just wanted to go to school that day and I had any other school playing. So I remember being really annoyed English patient one. <laughs> I totally did one, didn't I? Yeah. Did, did your did your dad take you to see that? Yeah, we did. And we both hated it. Wow. Well, yeah, you no, know, sometimes actually no, he liked it. He did. I think he liked it. I think I was being go. a snooty teenager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's a pretty great that you had that connection with your, your mm. father uh to kind of watch things beyond just the schlocky stuff mm. you know like uh do you find now when you're your thoughts on movies a lot of it was informed by how your father felt about movies or yes uh, yeah okay yeah what 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 was about movies that he liked like what was why did he like going to movies do, do you um... ever explain I think they were just part of his childhood. Like um, there were a few movies he did. I did what that he, what I know he loved that I just couldn't do. Weirdly, Pulp Fiction was one of them. Um, this is when you have a dad who loves, who gets his things from Oscars is that you will watch Boogie Nights on Christmas day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you're watching it with the whole family, including your Nana who keeps talking about how cute Mark Wahlberg is. And you're like, I can't, I can't do this. Um, <laughs> that sounds really, awkward. It was so awkward. My brother was just making fun of me because I keep walking in and out of the room. He's like, God damn it, Lindsay, you look four, you're like you're four freaking four years old again. Just sit down and watch the movie. I'm like, I'm not doing that, Pete. Shut up. Um, <laughs> um look at the things to do. Uh, I don't like this movie. Don't watch it. And um, then he's teasing me about wanting to see penis. It was it was very awkward. Um no, it yeah, I think he liked it because it was relaxing for him. I mean, he worked um it was a guy who worked really long hours. He was a guy who um, was a sportsman. So he um, was always doing very physical things. So I think um, the, uh, plus he had a, not a difficult childhood, just a choppy childhood. As my grandmother was ill a lot of the time um, and was in and out of different hospitals. And he was kind of the youngest out of quite a brood of children. 
So I think, again, that was um, a way to entertain the two youngest ones was they'd take them to movies because I know my aunt is just as obsessed, um, probably a bit more um, with movies than the older kind of children were in his family. So I think it was kind of that. I think it was sort of seen as a um, more of escapism when you're the two youngest in a big family that you can just go, they can just to put you into a movie theater and not have to think it. Yeah. I think that's why I don't think it goes too much into it, but um, yeah, I think that's kind of part of the reason why I think it was part of this kind of relaxing escapism for him. Is, is your father still with us? Yes. Yes, he is. And do you guys talk about movies now? Oh yeah. I'm going to New Zealand in next month, actually in three, two weeks, three. Oh God. It's getting close. Three weeks. Um, for the first time in three years because of COVID. Um, and apparently oh. dad already has like a whole thing of movies we're going to go see. So I'm like, okay, cool. And I know one of them's going to be the Elvis movie. <laughs> know it. <laughs> oh, that was filmed there too. It was, not it in was New Zealand, but... it filmed in Australia. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it was that where Tom Hanks got COVID or the News of the World one, but which he also filmed in Australia. But um, yeah, it's, he's, I know he's definitely looking forward to that one because he has a, he likes Baz Luhrmann movies. I don't know why. It's, I would have thought they're too visually busy for him. He doesn't usually like that. But for some reason with Baz, he's like, I like the Great Gatsby. I'm like, really? Fascinating. <laughs> that That's great that you guys are going to get to see each other and go to the cinema together. I think that yes. is fantastic. Mm. And, and why did you move to Australia uh, without getting specifically? Like what was, when you went there, was it a culture shock or you were like, way people view movies is completely different here than it was in New Zealand like what was what was that transition like oh it was a bit of a culture shock um because I didn't I now know New Zealand has an amazing cinema scene it just depends where you are like I caught a glimpse of it when I was in Wellington lived in Wellington but I didn't know about the weird movie festival that Aunt Timson used to put on I didn't know about a whole bunch of things which I'm annoyed at myself for not knowing about but um it's much smaller but Melbourne, uh, it's kind of like Australia views uh, movies very similar to um, New Zealand. But I would say that Australia's a little, it was quicker for Australia to be prouder of the output they were doing more than New Zealand was. Because both Australia and New Zealand have this very weird thing of starting to like things that are homegrown when other people, other countries start noticing what you're doing. It's kind of like a cultural cringe kind of thing. It's like, oh, we're never going to be as good as like America or the UK. So our stuff is going to be, was be going to be a bit shit. Um, Australia has that a little bit, but they kind of got used to getting a little bit more noticed with things like Peter Ware movies and Picnic and Hanging Rock and the Australian New Wave kind of scene in the 70s and <clears throat> Muriel's Wedding and um, and Priscilla Queen of the Desert, where the countries went, oh, shit, there's some amazing filmmaking happening in Australia. So they didn't have it as much. Um, so they're a little more prouder, um, quicker. New Zealand is now very proud because now we have Taika Waititi and Timur Morrison um, and um, Peter Jackson, sorry, forgetting the big guy's name, um, of filmmaking. So we can go, yeah, we have guys too, but it took us a while to get there. Um, Whereas Australia was like, oh, no, we make, we make, we make good stuff. We, we know we make good stuff. Um, but no, the Melbourne, especially Melbourne cinema scene is incredible. There are so many different film societies where you can go watch retro uh, presentations and weird kind of things. And 
um, that they'll put on. And you can go to a, there's a few cafes around my area that one I know does a horror night every fortnight. Like I know they played slugs and then they played the hands of Orlock, which I love because you got like a James Gunn, like gross out movie, which is one of my favorite horror movies. And then you've got the silent movie, the hands of Orlock. Um, no, I, I, I love it, but Australia was a bit of a culture shock just because I was not expecting two people to speak their mind as much. And Australia has a much more vibrant, uh, Greek, uh, Lebanese, Greek, Italian, Turkish communities. And, um, as well as a quite a strong Israeli community, um, all cultures had a very loud and hand waving and I'm like, are you wanting to kill each other? No, no, no. They're just, this is how they're vibrants. They make good food and they, speak their mind um communities than new zealand does which tend to be a lot more demure <laughs> australia has a really great film culture yeah uh with uh, a lot of these great movies that came out of australia um did you was it much easier to discover movies when you moved to australia was did it open up a whole new world of cinema at all Yes, it did. It took me a while to know where to find it, which is the most Melbourne thing ever. Like, if you know where to find something, it's no longer cool. Um, so it took me a while, but once I discovered, because um, we have, well, New Zealand does have this as well, but I didn't necessarily know about it for some weird reason. Um, but it has the uh, Melbourne International Film Festival. Now there are, of course, there's, there's the Sydney Film Festival, International Film Festival, and the Brisbane International Film Festival, but I like the Accredited Myth, which happens every August. Um, and this is our way of seeing a whole bunch of different movies um, that I would have never seen or even heard of otherwise. Um, and I just like going to it and just like, oh my God, when, I gonna, when am I going to watch this time? I've discovered some amazing movies because of it. And there's a lot of film societies like uh, Cinemaniacs run by Lee Gambon. Um, and that's kind of amazing. Like you just see, like, when, when are you going to see, um, they shoot horses, do they in a theater? I mean, that never happens, but it's an amazing way to discover, uh, movies. And there's also Melbourne Cinematheque. It's just this kind of, and Melbourne's a really great place where a lot of things happens. It's amazing for live music. It's amazing for movies. It's amazing for festivals. It's Melbourne's a city that doesn't like getting bored. So it's going to put on so many different things that if you're into something, you're going to find a community. It's just, it's just going to be kind of down an alleyway that you do have to hunt for it a little bit, but once you find it, it's just like a whole world open up, opens up. So that actually brings me to a question that I was wondering. Um, hmm. So when you were growing up, you kind of, and like I was growing up too, like you kind of have to discover movies like through, um, like a family member or just kind of run run through it yes do you think it's easier now for younger kids to discover film cinema uh or is it there's a or is there just too much choices now and it's a lot harder for for kids to kind of discover uh movies to be more diverse in their tastes like is this a, are we in a better now than we were growing up, do you think? Um, well, I certainly, I know me love the fact that I can buy a Blu-ray of Lucio Fulci's movies, which I would have never gotten access to in New Zealand unless there was some weird bootleg 
Um, if you take some shows, I'm sure that um, Night of the Living, um, City of the Living Dead was probably banned <laughs> in New Zealand. They were quite, New Zealand's quite notorious for banning, was, it was quite notorious for banning things. Um, mm. It was always on a bootleg friggin' DVD. Same way I watched, first time watched it reversible. I'm like, how did, this isn't even like allowed in Australia. How are we watching this? Oh, it's a, <laughs> why is this on VH? Oh, it's a bootleg VHS. That's why it's on, we're not watching on DVD. Um, it's, um, but I think it's both. I think kids have more opportunities to become film fans because they can find everything. It's not, um, and you can still discover stuff because if you just click on the right thing on a streaming service, you're going to find something insane and glorious and something you never thought you would ever like. I mean, that happens all the time, but at the same time, it's kind of like, where do you start? Um, I know things change and evolve and I know kids kind of like watch more YouTube because it's in these short kind of snippets. So does that mean that the short film's going to come back because of that? Or is it, um, I know they did try to have that 15 minute like, TV channel that or streaming service that that did not work because they were like we're gonna do YouTube but you make you pay for it. Um, even YouTube tried to make people pay for it and it didn't work. Um, so I, I I don't know. I think it's it depends on the person, which is such a lame answer. But someone is gonna fall in love with movies because they have because um, their parents got HBO uh, Max and they were able to watch like a Preston Sturges movie, or if they have parents have. Criterion channel, they can, or Shudder, they can sit down and watch something that, that none of their friends are talking about and get, let them go, oh yeah, you have to see this movie. It's, it's amazing. Um, or at the same time, they're just looking at all this noise and going, well, it's just the same as everything else. Um, I don't know. I think there's pros and cons to the whole thing. I'm not necessarily one of those person, people that where cinema is king because um, I love my shutter subscription. I love my, um, I love all my, I love all my subscriptions. I have way too many of them. Um, like I, I don't want to give any of them up. I love the fact that I have movie. Um, but it's, yeah. So I think it's, it, there are pros and cons and it's, you just like, I remember watching Sonic too and Sonic's not a great movie, but Sonic's reference references are so over the place. Just, in terms of time-wise that you can tell this is a kid who is just on social media and he's just picking up things from everywhere. So there's no cohesive kind of thought of one minute he's referencing something from 2001 and then he's referencing Winter Soldier. So um, it's, I think it's a bit like that. So I think there will, I think it will grow a thing of movie fans. And I think in 30 years, people will be nostalgic for Netflix the way we are nostalgic over um, Blockbuster. Is, is Which that will what be a weird had? thing. Is, is that what was the big uh, video chain that killed yes. all the mom pops blockbuster down there too? That that an easy video was two of them. Yeah, I remember having two. It was either easy video or blockbuster. I was the one we went to that was the blockbuster because they had seven videos for seven dollars. <laughs> you could rent for the week. <laughs> yeah, because I, I I often wonder how like back in growing up, you can go to a video store, you can peruse the shelf. Yes. And it'd be like that the, the cover, right? Mm-hmm, but yeah. like I, I just don't know how kids, the young people have that experience of knowing, like, oh, I'm gonna click on that one because I I just imagine uh, a younger person might just be like, 
this is what the algorithm tells me to watch. So I shall watch that. I think it's a lot to do with that. That's why I think there's pros and cons. Cause I think there's always going to be that kid that's going to go hunting a little bit just because some people like to hunt or to search a little bit. Um, and some people are just going to be like, oh, well, we'll just uh, watch whatever the algorithm is telling you, whatever Netflix has as their main thing, which they're completely ignoring about six different things that really you should be watching or are interesting at least. They may not be good, but um, but there's a few action movies, um, all with Chris Hemsworth, um, that are coming out that look like, oh, well, they're doing, he's going the, it's kind of the DT, DTV route, but it's Netflix. This is fascinating, um, especially because he's Thor. But you can kind of tell he's cementing his next stage in his career kind of thing, which I think is fascinating. Um, that he kind of wants to go almost the Scott Atkins route, but on streaming, it's a thing. But at the same time, um, there's not that tactile thing of picking up something from a shelf, turning it over and looking at the back, having to put it in the machine. There's something very tactile about that. Like my partner loves physical media when it comes to his music. Um, he's very, there's like the vinyl, he's even still got a lot of his CDs because he loves that, that process of it. I think there is something that you miss with that. But I don't know if it's because it's how we grew up that we love that so much or if it's and how kids in 30 years are going to go, oh, you remember how Netflix used to do this thing where they used to show the thing at the top and used to play the trailer? I don't know if that's going to be like a nostalgic thing or if that is. But we love, but at the same time, we loved movies because we wanted to search out other things of actors and directors that we liked. A lot of people, even back in the day, um, when they talk about movies, remember the ones they rented or what was ever whatever was playing at the, the cinema when they went. They never went to say festivals. They never went to. I mean, it's a very special person that wants to go to two weeks at a, at a main international festival in Melbourne. Well, you don't you don't sleep for two weeks. But when I talk about myth, you were going to movies constantly for two weeks, like sometimes two a day. And this is when, this is, you're not taking time off from work. Some people do. Some, take, some people will buy like a $700 pass so they can just take two weeks off and just go see everything. This is five movies a day for two weeks. This is like an intense marathon of movie watching. You're delirious by the end. Um, I've not done that yet. <laughs> I still have to work. Um, but it is, so I sort of wonder if, it's going to be the same thing as you'll see kids growing up who are obsessed with movies because they searched a little more and then everyone else just like oh yeah I'll just watch that because it's on there I'm just watching the series that's on there and not because they have other interests I don't know it's going to be interesting but I do think they do miss something by looking at my blu-rays now going but I can pick them up and they're mine and no one can take them off streaming <laughs> Now you you're the host of the Schlock and All podcast. Yes. Do you have younger listeners that you know of? Like, are there some people that have discovered some movies because of your show? Um, the only one I can think of the two younger people are Chris Tato and Preston Mitchell, which have both been on my show. Which is maybe how I know people are listening if I get they come on. Um. So those are the ones that I do know after listening to uh, me on Film Feast talk about Con Air. Preston did watch Con Air. He hadn't seen it before. Okay. Um, 
and he loved it because it's of course you do because it's Kanye um but yeah it's um but I don't necessarily know who my demographic is so <laughs> I could take a guess but I don't I don't officially know because <laughs> I because I, I, I sometimes wonder how important it is to well put it this way when people are so entrained on the internet that's where they find out a lot about new things now like they can find out new music and whatnot and i wonder Mm. like it's not necessarily like a a duty of the podcaster but like like a nice like i wonder how important it is for young people to get into movies to to discover a podcast and that will be the way that they learn about stuff and then maybe they'll get obsessed and they'll become big film fans and maybe start their own show or even get into the business like do you think about that a little bit when you're on these programs uh no it i don't actually but it is how i mean this is how even i find about it that information it's not it is the internet now and i'm not young so and i know podcasts are where people get a lot of their information from good or bad so yeah i do no, I think yes, I think it's right because I don't think I would have ever become a fan of, say, Lucio Fulci or Scott Atkins or um, uh, even um, I can't think of any other names right at the particular moment. Uh, but Bodica, who's a director who directed westerns, um, Italian movies in general. Um, if it wasn't for the podcasts I listen to, it's like, oh yeah, I like movies. Um, and then they're talking about like um, movies from the 1930s and, and kind of stuff like that. So it, it definitely broadened my horizon. And I think that is how it works for a lot of people, whether they're younger or not. But if you're really young and only know the internet and um, and, and say they stumble onto, um, say, Action for Everyone and they're talking about um, a Netflix movie that Netflix isn't even promoting, then yeah, they're going to watch that and go, oh, hang on a minute. I didn't know this kind of world of movies existed. Now I do. Now I can seek out more. And I've just got this whole world going back to the 1980s of like uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren going up to the main guys. Um, it's, and these directors like J.C.B. Johnson, and unfortunately you're going to get a lot of very awkward Bruce Willis performances in that now. But it is, yeah, I, I think it's so important because I think that's how you pass on information now because when you do listen to a podcast, um, you do feel like you know those guys a little bit. Like I always felt a bit awkward, like my favourite ones I used to listen to. I used to listen to them. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know these people. No, I don't. I, I, I got to remember myself. I don't actually know them. Um, and that's probably why I count a lot of you guys as friends because I talk to you quite regularly now but we've become even friends through the internet. So it's um, it's not so much a virtual world anymore, but it's kind of, but it's where you get your information. I have discovered, I know I've discovered so much stuff I didn't even know existed um, purely through podcasts. If it wasn't for the likes of F this movie, Pure Cinema, um, uh, even Curls of the Dark and their multiple iterations, um, I don't know if I would have even known what, the indicator uh, was, or impr- I would probably get discovered imprint because it's in Australia and I would have seen it around, but 
um, Arrow or kind of things like that. I don't, which are Blu-ray brands as well as the movies that they're thinking. So I think, yeah, that I think, well, podcasting comes with a lot of responsibilities, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really can. Like, it's funny. I was just looking down and I realized I was wearing a junk food cinema t-shirt. And I was like, I'm wearing a T-shirt of a of a of a movie yeah. podcast. So it's like, you know, it's like a a, a nice community mm. uh, that you can expand your horizons on movies that maybe I might not even had when I was growing up. Because, like, I look back when I was growing up, I had friends, but they weren't necessarily into movies. So I just had to. I was watching movies by myself, no one to talk to. But now with the internet like you can i'm talking to you you're in australia and you know what i mean like it's yes it's kind of i i worry about like how the the industry of films are but then i realized how we're able to talk to more people than we've ever talked to before from different walks of life that maybe it's nothing that we need to worry about you know what i mean no, I think movies may, like everything else, because the way the internet works, may become more niche. Like, I don't think cinemas are going to completely go away. Look, you might not get your multiple cinemaplexes. They may become more boutique, um, which is good and bad in, in both respects. But, um, yeah, I think, I, I don't think movies are going anywhere because I think there are still generations who are going to discover them. And just because everyone gets obsessed with something, it may not be, um, you know, uh, the same thing you're into. I mean, yeah, I grew up with friends who in high school who did like movies. And so we used to have a summer party and watch a whole bunch of movies, but this was like a lot of, oh my God, a lot of, Ke- a lot of Kevin Smith, a lot of uh, Days to Confused, a lot of um, those kind of, teen culty comedies mm-hmm. um I, I mean i grew up in an age where teen teen comedies were king so that was just perfect for me american pie um all those i can't remember the other titles and blanking but it was that kind of thing so we liked movies we just didn't search necessarily for anything beyond that and then when i got older and then then i said okay met some friends who are much cooler than me and goes oh no no you haven't seen david lynch i'm like oh who's what's what's a david lynch took me to see Marlon Drive. I lost my mind. But no, then when I moved to Australia, my first group of friends went that big into movies. And so I had to learn to go see movies on my own. And that was fine. That's how I watch movies now. But you're right. I have found so many other people I can talk to about movies that it doesn't matter if the people I love and care about in Australia aren't as into that thing as I am. They know I love movies and they will sort of ask me for recommendations or tell me things I've seen that I might like and that kind of thing. But it's, I have you guys and it's, it's great. <laughs> now, before, before we go, I, I, I wanted just to talk to you real briefly about your podcast, Lock and Awe. Uh, what gave you the idea to make it a double feature podcast? Uh I work in a, well, in my real life, I work in a bookstore and my favorite thing to do is when someone asks me for a recommendation, I ask me, I ask them what they've been reading lately. And then I try and pick books based on what they've told me. Um, And I kind of like to mix and match a little bit, see if I can get them to go into a different genre that they wouldn't have thought about reading. It's one of my favorite 
things to kind of do. Um, and so that's kind of why I wanted to make it a double feature show because I like the idea of pairing, I guess, like food and wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Though I know nothing about wine. Um, I make a terrible sommelier. I'm like, yeah, it's good. It's wine. Um, but I kind of like that. So that's where the idea started. Okay. And how is the response been? Because I think it's one of the more entertaining shows because uh, you have your double feature, but you also do uh, each guest picks a a trailer, two trailers to watch Hmm. before both movies. Uh, Like um, the, that's a unique thing that you don't necessarily get on some podcasts. So I, I think that's probably one of the reasons why, so many people want to come on your show because it allows them to talk about two great movies, but also kind of talk about a couple other ones that they want to recommend. Yeah. I just wanted some more business in the episode. I think that's why I came up with the the trailers and going to the movies and even they don't do this anymore, which is sad. Um, on video, when you, it, was, it was always the same trailers, which kind of bummed me out. But remember when videos had trailers? <laughs> I do. I do. In fact, yeah. I would, I would get a VHS that I wanted, like an old one. I was like, oh man, I love this movie. Mm. And I was like, it better have trailers before it. And I would I'd buy it for like a dollar. Cause I'm like, I want to know if it's just like some crazy old trailer and then there never is. And I'm just like, this is disappointing. It's, yeah. The trailer is an art form. And like, I always was annoying. Like I had to be get to the movie early because I wanted to see the trailers. I still do. Like, I still love watching, even though I've seen um, the Morbius trailer so many times um, (laughs) because they were meant to release that six different times. Um, So, God, Morbius is back. Um, God, that movie has never been so hyped. (laughs) Um, It made more billion bucks, just so you know. Yeah. I did. Morbius bucks or whatever they're calling it. I don't know. It, it may only made Morbius dollars. Um, I mean, speaking of the internet influence, they tried to release that again because of all the memes. God bless them. I saw an ad for it and they're like, yeah. get the DVD. There's like 30 minutes of extra features to show you how we created a new Marvel legend. I'm like, guys, stop making it. <laughs> Morbius is not a thing. Like, no, fetch. Stop. stop it. It's not fetch. It's stop not fetch. It's just never it's not fetch. Stop it. Um, but I still love to watch the trials. I think they're little mini art forms in themselves. I think sometimes people carry it away. Uh, you don't need a trailer company to uh, edit Suicide Squad. That was a bad idea. Um, but I love trailers. Because, um, yeah, I grew up in the MTV. Well, am I the MTV generation? I don't know. But I grew up with MTV. Well, when MTV was on, we didn't have a channel. We had, like, segments of, like, this is when you can watch music videos. Um, and I loved loved them. I love the music putting music and images together, which is essentially what moving images is so freaking cool. And um, so, yeah, I think the whole trailer joke came from that just because I just really love trailers. I love, I never fast, unless I'd seen that particular video multiple times, I never fast forward through the, through the trailers on a VHS ever. <laughs> I, I love trailers too. Yeah. Trailers fact, are awesome. I, I, sometimes I thought about, doing a trailer podcast but then i realized as much as i like audio of trailers i think if i was just doing a show on trailers 
it would it would need to be a, like a YouTube show because yeah like, and I always there there's a fantasy that if I ever get to do a shock, shock and awe live show which will never happen <laughs> but the fantasy's there um it would be a trailer once I could just return trailers why what's stopping you from doing a live schlock and awe um I suppose I could do one on YouTube um probably because people have to see my face I don't know um I don't know. I kind of like the idea of doing it in a, in a movie theater, but I definitely don't have, as Chrissy Tatter would say, the clout um, to do to do that. Um, but no, I, nothing's stopping me. I mean, I could easily just do something on YouTube. Uh, hopefully, get, try and just do kind of a thing on on different trailers. Because um, the more I put of do audio trailers in the in the show, the more I'm noticing the differences in era, like. Um, like in the 1930s, there's always like two minutes of music and then announcer going, and it's Cary Grant. Or in the 80s, it was a time when, you know, that the announcer guy that we all grew up with. Um, and now it's the, it. no, now it's a bong, bong kind of thing going on. And it's always that, like you can see it in the audio, like a big, big. Um, and they've even done it to some classic trailers. Like if you go and look for um, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and there's actually a few Hitchcock trailers as well that they've done. They've done it like a modern trailer, and it's just got this bow, bow, and then then uh, J- uh, James uh, James Stewart comes on and goes, oh, "I'm gonna go to do whatever he says." I don't know. I can't. I've only seen Mr. Smith goes to Washington once, but um, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's like this is not the music you should be putting on this movie. That is, uh, yeah, you can't modernize old movies that for the trailers it just seems he can't no even the hitchcock ones which i've he was always a very modern filmmaker regardless of when you watch him but i i've seen like the tra- the trailer for strangers on the train and it's trying to go wrong wrong and then two guys having a train on conversation i'm like mm, this doesn't work <laughs> i love it but it doesn't work uh so if somebody wants to learn more about schlock and uh and they want to talk to you about movies online. Where, where does, where does somebody need to go? Uh, you can either go on uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, both at schlocken or one. That's where you can find anything about the show. And uh, also um, if you want to follow me, just my, my personal Twitter, um, it's uh, at reading geek. You know, this talk we just had explains your Twitter handle now because I did not know you were a book nerd until I, today. Yes. I think I still have more books than I had Blu-rays, <laughs> which is my partner. Because he's like, you're collecting Blu-rays as well now? I'm like, yes, what of it? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is great. Hopefully I can have you back on a show and we can talk about books. Yeah, totally. Mm. But in the meantime, think- in the meantime, uh, the show is called Real Early, so I'm focusing on the movies. And I really appreciate you coming on to my show to talk about your experience growing up in New Zealand and Australia. And I really appreciate you coming on to my show. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm sorry if I overtalk, so please feel free to edit anything out. <laughs> no, it's great. I, I, I think people are going to like it. And I definitely enjoyed having this conversation. So, again, thank you. And everybody who's listening, please check out Schlock and Awe. You'll really enjoy it. No, thank you so much for having me. This sounds like such a great concept. I can't wait to listen to it. All right, thanks. Have a good 
morning. Have a good day. Yeah, I will. You have a good evening. <laughs> All right. Good day, mate. See you, mate. <laughs>